I don't think we're going to sing all of them. And then, thank you, Jesus. And then the last verse is, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Alleluia. 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 You're worthy. You are 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 worthy. Thank you, Jesus. 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 What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come bless the Lord. Are you servants of the Lord? Come bless the Lord. Are you servants of the Lord? We stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hand in the holy place and bless the Lord and bless the Lord. Repeat. Come bless the Lord. Are you servants of the Lord? We stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hand in the holy place and bless the Lord and bless the Lord. Somebody have a testimony you'd like to share? Something that you've been 
challenged or blessed with or something this week? Thing that Corey said, uh, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, glory and honor, glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. All right, and be seated. Let's turn to our Zion's praises. Sing a few selections out of there. Starting to 521. 521. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning of his precious blood the toning then i repented of my sin and won the victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, Come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, 
my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about the mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up the, the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. Turn to number 72. Number 72. Wonderful words of life. It's because of the victory in Jesus that we can truly consider these to be wonderful words in our life. It's only, only when we have the victory in Christ that we can say these are really truly beautiful words <clears throat> yep. sing them over again to me wonderful words of life let me more of their beauty see wonderful words of life Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ, the blessed one, gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. All so freely given, wooing 
beautiful word, wonderful word, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctify forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Let's turn to uh, 501. I think this will be our last song, and I think uh, Katie's on uh, sharing for the children's lesson then. We'll try this one. I know it's kind of a, uh, I think we've got enough of four parts or whatever we can do this. <clears throat> 501. I know that my Redeemer liveth. <clears throat> I know that my Redeemer liveth, and on the earth against the stand. I know eternal life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hand. I know, I know. Jesus liveth and on the earth again shall stand. I know, I know that life he giveth, that grace and power are in his hand. I know never fail the word he speak it cannot die that cruel death my flesh assail yet I shall see him by and by I know I know that Jesus Liveth and on the earth again shall stand. I know, I know that life he giveth, that grace and power are in his hand. Can we all stand for the last verse, please? I know my mansion he prepared that where he is there I may be oh wondrous thought for me he cared and he at last 
will come for me. I know, I know that Jesus lives and on the earth again shall stand. I know, I know that life he given, that grace and power are in his hand. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can see me. All right, I guess children come up, maybe. Okay, Liberty's going to teach us a new song. What's it going to be? It's called, there were um, 12 disciples. There were 12 disciples. There were 12 disciples. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Rolling coming. <laughs> Do you want the mic? Or should I just hold it? Stand on this side? No? Okay. She's hiding from the camera. There were twelve disciples. Jesus called to help him. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James's brother, John. Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Thaddeus, Judas, and Bartholomew. Jesus calls us to, Jesus calls us to, we are his disciples, I am one, are you? Jesus calls us to, Jesus calls us to, we are his disciples, I am one, are you? Good job. Okay, so we'll do one more song on the end. But this morning, we have um, Lucas got an idea together for you guys that we thought would be fun. Um, we're going to read a scripture, and then I'm going to give you all... A sheet and everything on here is going to illustrate the scripture and we're going to kind of do um, show and tell with it so the scripture that we're looking at this morning is Psalms 91 1 through 2 you who live in the shelter of the Most High who abide in the shadow of the Almighty will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So, 
We're going to have Lucas come out with his favorite pet. Lukey. Jumper, everybody meet Jumper. You want to put him down? Okay, and then we have a rock. Lukey, you want to put the rock somewhere? Yep, he'll run away. And then we'll put the rock out. And then we have a bowl with lettuce and a carrot. Do you think rabbits like lettuce? Yeah? Okay. They do. So, I was so happy to see the Chilton girls this morning with their headbands because we needed daffodils. And here they are. So, okay, I'm going to give all of you, actually, Lukey, I'll let you hand these out to each one. That's the Bible verse, and I'm going to read the story. So the story is going to include... Everything that's on that sheet. And then we have another guy, Michael. So keep one eye on Michael, okay? He's going to be in this too. Okay, I'm going to start reading the story. You ready? It's called The Rabbit and the Rock. There was a rabbit named Jumper, right there's Jumper, that lived in a comfortable little hole in the woods. Winter was over and spring was starting to bloom. Things were looking beautiful around Jumper's hole, kind of like the flowers on the girls' headbands. It's very pretty. It was springtime. As little Jumper came out of his hole, he noticed a lot less rabbits in this part of the forest. There were always so many here, but today he didn't see anybody. Jumper scampered through the trees that sunny afternoon and came home to the opening of his hole to see a strange object. It was a metal bowl, and inside the bowl was a single carrot sitting on top of a leaf of lettuce. Then the rabbit heard a very loud noise, like the crack of a tree branch, but louder. <laughs> Boom! You missed, he heard a voice say from the woods. I won't miss this time, said another voice. Then the loud cracking noise shot out again. Oh. <laughs> You missed again, said the first voice, laughing. Jumper, he didn't waste any time. He burst into a run through the forest trees. How do rabbits hop? He was running and running and running. He could hear the men chasing close behind. Another crack came from their direction. So he kept running and running and running. Jumper ran and ran until he reached a large rock. See the rock? He's right by the rock. In the center of the forest. The rock wasn't as beautiful as the flowery trees where he had lived comfortably. Instead, it was tall and even blocked 
the sun casting a shadow all around. Jumper heard the voice of the hunters. One more time. <laughs> and ran around the rock until he found a thin path through the stones. It was too small for the humans to walk through. He jumped inside and found to his surprise a hole heading deep inside and up to a safe spot high above the hunters. Jumper looked down in relief. He was safe. After a while, the hunters left and Jumper could breathe easily again. He looked around at the rock, his shelter. I will never leave this rock because you are my refuge and my new home, said the rabbit to the rock. The Lord is our rock and our shelter, and he's our fortress. When we are afraid or going through a challenging time in our life, we can turn to Jesus for protection, just like the rabbit did under the rock. Do you, you can try. Does, does he, maybe they want to try a little bit. You want to try? first try. Do you want to pet him a little? Oh, yeah. Okay, now you want to let Judah try? So all these sheets you can take home, and then maybe you can color them this week and maybe memorize that Bible verse. You good? Yeah. Yes, that would be a good idea. Hi. Okay, Lukey, why don't you take him back and then we'll sing one more song. Okay, let's line up. We'll do one more song and then you can go back to your parents. Thank you, Lukey. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Oh, rabbit went bye-bye. Here, should I take it? Do you want to eat it or should I eat it? Thank you. Okay. Do you guys have one more song? What? Do you have one? River of Life? Okay. There we go. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lane to walk and the blind to see. Open up the door, set the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Sing up a well into my soul. Sing up a well and make me whole. Sing up a well. a good one. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for participating. You can go back to your parents. Thank you, everyone, for sharing there. 
Um, so I guess for announcements this week, um, we won't get on the barbecue topic today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, say around, I think it's going to be hamburgers and hot dogs, no barbecue. But anyway, as Coloradans call it barbecue anyhow. Uh, so do stay around for lunch. And uh, this fr- Friday night, there's a game night here at church at 6.30. So uh, please come. Uh, bit, feel free to bring any friends with you. Uh, yes. <laughs> yep so for the summer months we'll kind of quit doing this so anyway got that chips wings whatever so it might be a pretty good night so feel free to come um the saturday morning prayer that 7 a.m so feel free to come for that anyone welcome to come so I guess that's it for now. Um, so, yeah, we'll just bow our head for a word of prayer. And uh, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you uh, for your love and for your son, Jesus. I just want to lift up my brother Phil to you. Lord, just anoint him with your Holy Spirit. Give him word to speak. Give us all open hearts and minds that we can receive your word and that we can uh, plant those seeds and bring forth fruit that's going to shine um, that we can be a beacon in this community. And Lord, I just thank you for your many blessings. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the reasons I chose that little video clip of that child is A.W. Tozer, who was a preacher back in the 50s, once said these words, a preacher's job is to bring heaven to bear upon earth and eternity upon time. Isaiah chapter 11 says this about heaven. And to this morning, it came down to earth to us. Isaiah chapter 11. And righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the, the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the kid, the goat, not a child. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child will lead them. Sometimes we need a little child to lead us in a song of praise, right? Lest we become too professional. You know that's danger in our life? In our, in our sacrifice, in our worship, in our, in our service to Christ, especially in a place like this when we come to church, it's quite natural to become professional. We like professional but the danger is apostle paul warned us about this danger they profess to know god but they deny the power of god in their life that's a danger that we have in church today we become good professors 
And everything becomes professional. And we miss heaven where a little unprofessional child can lead the whole church in a song of 10,000 reasons to praise Him. That's why I chose that. I hope we never lose the unprofessionalness of Jesus Christ. He's not professional. He's the power of God. And that's why the church in His day hated Him. Not the world. The Romans didn't care. It was the church that hated Jesus because he was unprofessional. We can become just like them if we become too professional. We miss the power of God in our personal life and in our gathering together. You may turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. And as we turn our, our Bibles there to read the Word of God, I want you to turn your eyes for a moment and look at this rock. Placement out layer of rocks. And, and thanks, Dad, uh, for pointing this out to us the other Saturday morning at a, at a prayer meeting. Dad said, you know, when you look at those rocks, he thinks of something. I would like to hear you a little bit this morning. As you look at these rocks, this rock wall, what do you see? Yes, very different rocks. Is there any one the same? No, not even one. What's the matter with this guy? Don't you think he's a little outstanding? Maybe, he's, maybe he thinks he's more showy than the rest. Shouldn't he blend in a little more? What about that big guy up there? He's way too big for his own head, isn't he? What about this little, this little sharp razor? That could hurt somebody. Maybe he should be filed down a little bit, don't you think? He's a little too rough. I mean, the cross can't even hang straight on it. This one here seems to be bearing the weight of the cross. The rest, very unique. However, would anyone here look at this rock wall and say, that is absolutely disgustingly ugly. I can't stand to look at it. They should all be the same. And it would be beautiful. Anyone? Or does everyone find at least a little beauty in the rock wall? Good. You're seeing like Jesus sees you right now. As Jesus is looking on us. Is there anyone that looks exactly the same? I wish I would have a mirror. You could actually take out your phones, those of you who have smartphones, and turn it on the selfie mode and just take a look at your face. And now look at your neighbor. And the one in front of you or behind you. And see how different you look. Not only do we all look different, we all act differently. We speak differently because we think differently. Why? Because a creator, a mason, a rock layer, the master builder, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Jesus Christ is the master builder of His church. 
And he creates everyone very differently. And he brings them together in one place. And some are big, and some are tiny, and some are outstanding, and some are rough. And everyone is unique. But together, they create a beauty they can't portray by themselves. Don't you agree? If you just took one of those rocks out, you might say, well, that's kind of a nice rock. But you put it into the rock wall, and it becomes a beautiful wall, not a beautiful rock. And that's what Jesus wants to do with every one of his children. Not just make you the beautiful rock. He wants to create a beautiful wall of many rocks. All different from each other. So that he looks down upon his people from heaven. And he sees the glorious beauty of of his creation. We just came back from the New England states. We went in the spring, so most of the trees didn't have leaves yet. Some of them are just beginning to bud, but it's still early in their season. But if you go there in the fall, many of you have seen photos, right? Of the New England states in October, in September, when all the trees, it seems every tree is a different color, and all of their colors are brilliant. And beautiful, and the Lord plants them together. Not man, God makes a forest of them. And they're beautiful to behold. Not only with our eyes, but from heaven. As God looks upon it, He says, that's my beautiful creation. I want to encourage you today with this truth. You are specifically designed, have been saved for this purpose. If you have been born again of the Spirit of God and your sins are forgiven, God doesn't just want to make you a diadem or a jewel by yourself. He doesn't just want to make you the beautiful rock. He saved you to put you into His church, His body on the earth, so that when you find your place uniquely as God created you, and He can use you for who He created you to be, you are a part of His beautiful creation. Do you see how Satan likes to mess us up? Two ways. One is, he says, you're ugly. You're absolutely ugly. You're rough around the corners, as we say. You, you talk with a funny accent, or your face looks hilarious. It doesn't look like anyone else's. Look around. Or he says, you're just so shy. You shouldn't be like that. And he loves to take another person and cause you to admire that person. And try to be like them. Try to be someone you're not. Or he'll try another way. You're the best looking in the bunch here today. Don't you think so? Look in the mirror again. Look how handsome and pretty you are. 
Look at your hair. They're not curly like the other one. Or look at your nice, well-trimmed, you know, face. Or look, look, just look at you. You're good. Look at your talents. You can sing. Your beautiful voice. Or you can speak well. Or you can play well. He likes to turn the mirror onto you and let that mirror be all you see and you become, as they say, self-conceited. Philippians chapter 2 says, self-conceited. Don't be self-conceited. Thinking you're more highly of yourself than what you ought to think. And you know what happens when Satan does one or the other? He accomplishes his goal. Satan has a goal for your life, my life. And he accomplishes that goal every time. Those two ways. Convince you you're ugly. You're worth nothing. You're good for nothing. You should just simply stay at home and dig a hole. Stay in bed. Don't go out. God can't use you. You've sinned way more than anyone else. You're worthless to God. You have no talents. You're just useless. There's no point to your life. Or he'll say, you're better than anyone else. Look at you. You're gifted. You're talented. God can use you. You're the best looking in the room. Or you're the most talented in the room. You should be the one who has all the attention all the time. And, and he'll glorify you in your own mind to where Everything in life is about you. Most of your thoughts every day are about yourself. Your self-interest. And everyone else is in your way and is a bother and is, you know, not worth your time. Do you see how Satan on either side gets you? You know what he does? His purpose in our life is fulfilled in this way. He takes you out of the body. That's how he does it. Either way, because you're ugly, you'll stay at home because you're worthless. You won't get engaged in other people's lives and build other people up and encourage them and bless them because no one cares. You're worthless. Or, if you're the best in the room... I won't associate with that person. I'm too good for these people. That guy burps all the time when he eats. I'm going to eat with this person. Or, you know, oh, 10,000 reasons of why you shouldn't come alongside of someone else and ask them, how was your day, brother? Great. Tell me about it, really. Um, God's been good. How well, so? Wow, that's awesome. I just got, did you, did you know he had a foster son? You see what happened? You all just became a part of his wall. That is what Satan wants you to miss all your life. That is what he wants to do with every one of us. Is he fulfilling his purpose in your life? Or is Jesus? Jesus has come. 
not only to forgive our sins so we don't go to hell and He can take us to heaven when we die. He has come to live His life out in you while you live on the earth. Jesus said, it is needful that I go to heaven so I can send the Holy Spirit to live in your heart so that I can, the Holy Spirit can now take your body my body and live out his love his joy his blessing on the earth to bring heaven down to earth and that is what made the church the professional church so angry you know what they said to peter and james after jesus they thought they killed jesus and the disciples stole his dead body away somewhere is what they said all of a sudden, the city had 3,000 Jesuses in it. That's what happened the day the Holy Spirit came down. 3,000 souls, all their sins were washed away. They repented from their sins. They yielded their life to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them. And the whole city was filled with Jesus. That's what they said in the book of Acts. To Peter and John, you brought, you filled this city with his name. Mm, they were a little misdirected and misinformed. It was Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit that filled the city with Christians, Christ-like people. They became a show of God on the earth all in their own unique, created, designed purpose. And that was the power of God that turned the world upside down. As some of them said, those who came into our city, they have turned the world upside down. How did they turn it upside down? One life at a time. Only they were also wrong. It's like the whole world is walking around on their heads. You know, I can't stand on my head. That's about as good as you're going to get it. And if all of you just tried right now, you'd probably be better than I. It doesn't really matter because we were created to walk on our feet, not our heads. But in reality, that's how it is. Unless you're born of the Holy Spirit, you're not walking on your feet. You're walking on your hands and you weren't created to sin. You weren't created to live in your flesh. You were not created to have an uncontrolled tongue and uncontrolled eyes and give your ears to the music of the devil Amen. and dance to his tunes. You weren't created to divorce your wife and speak angrily to your children and beat them. You were not created to drink until you're drunk and yield your body to all kinds of other addictions that destroy your health. We were not created to control each other, to hold each other accountable for each other's sins. We were created to forgive one another. We were created to love one another. We were created to take our eyes and fasten them upon Jesus and look into His Word and live a life set free from the power of sin and its addictions. We were created to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body, useful 
for His glory, a part of His beautiful tapestry of love. That was what we were created to do, walk on our feet. And the rest of the world is walking on their hands. But they think they're walking normally. They're not. They're living an abnormal, a life they have not been created to live. Satan messed that all up back in the Garden of Eden when he fooled Eve and Adam sinned. Eve was completely deceived. It tells us in 1 Timothy, he fooled her. He said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like gods. God knows that. He's holding it back from you. And so she ate. And Adam knew better, but he followed his wife and sinned. And ever since then, sin has come into every human soul and turned it upside down. And what Jesus came is to do is to set us on our feet so that we can be useful. How useful can you be if you walk on your hands all day long? Are you good for anything else? What can you do with your toes? I mean, there are people who don't have arms. I, was just, I, 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 I just read a story of a young man who was born without arms and, and part of his legs, and so he uses his little toe as his fingers, and he can... The Lord gave him an amazing ability to eat with his toes, but you try it. See how it works for you today at lunch. Not very useful, right? Try to shake another guy's toe. Try to use your feet for hands. While you're upside down, can you see straight? Doesn't the whole world look upside down to you? Yeah, the ceiling looks like the floor. When we were kids, I remember we used to hang off upside down on the chairs, look up on the ceiling, and I remember used to thinking, I wish I could just walk on the ceiling. Wouldn't that be cool? Just hang from the ceiling like a bat. You know what? It wouldn't be cool because I wouldn't be conscious very long, right? All the blood would flow to my head, and I'd get a headache, and eventually lose my consciousness. And that's exactly what the devil does. He wants us to lose our consciousness of God. His presence in my life every day. His reality of His presence. He wants to dull my conscience with sin and cause me to think it's normal. That's what I've been created for. This is just who I am. I'll, I was born this way. I'll die this way. But Jesus came to change it and set your life right side up. And to make you useful for His glory, for the kingdom of heaven. Now, God's purposes, He can speak them into your heart. And you hear and you do. And God, through the Holy Spirit, can live in each of us. And bring us together as a beautiful tapestry of love. And by the way, what holds these rocks together? Someone tell me, what's holding those rocks together, Lucas? Kind of. Mortar, says the rock layer. Jesus Christ, His love. But in this earth experience, it is mortar. But that's not what holds humans together. Only God. Through His love in our hearts. And that's why 
His word tells us in 1 John chapter 3. Look at these pretty amazing words. Verse 13. 1 John chapter 3 verse 13. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know we have passed out of death into life because we love each other. The brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Either you love or you're dead. Unforgiveness will kill your soul. Just like cancer will surely kill your body. Don't think you can cheat spiritual death by hanging on to a grudge or unforgiveness or determination. You cannot save your soul and hang on to a spiritual life any more than determination will keep you alive from cancer. Your body is full of cancer. You can be as determined as you want to and put all your willpower into it to keep you alive. You're going to die. You'll just die stubborn, that's all. And that's how it is with spiritual death. You cannot keep your soul spiritually alive unless you abide in love. Abide in me, Jesus said in John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, and you will be fruitful. But he who does not abide in me, what happens to them? They become tumbleweed. We Coloradoans know what tumbleweed is, right? In the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of it with the wind, right? All these bushes who were once alive, had a little life in it, they died over the winter. And they were still in the ground. How do you know they're dead? How do you know they're dead? They're all dried up. How do you know they're dried up? They blew away. The wind. And they lost their ground. They were planted in. And they got caught up in a fence somewhere. And what does the farmer do with it? Burns it up. So are the wicked. You read the psalm, right? Yes, Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is where? Where is his joy? What makes him happy? The law of the Lord. That's where his delight is. It puts a smile on his face every time in his soul. Face. And his, in his law he meditates how often? Day and night. All the time. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. We've seen some big rivers back east. You know, we call this small little creek out here the Big Thompson River. I have no idea who called it that. They must have not been from back east. They should see the, you know, Missouri River and the Mississippi River and, you know, the Ohio River and, and I mean, the Susquehanna and all those huge rivers back there. I mean, this is a creek. That's a little how we are when we're a tumbleweed. We think a creek is going to keep us alive. We have no idea 
what the rivers of God do to our soul. Rivers. Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his innermost being shall flow a trickle. What did I misquote? will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does for God, he prospers. Whatever he does, he prospers. Because where are his thoughts? In his own head? In his own life? He's not self-conceited, is he? Nope. And he's not depressed either, is he? Thinking he's worse than anybody else? No. Where are his thoughts? His thoughts are like Brother Tim said to me this morning. I read the book of Joshua. Really? Wow, that must have filled you with those words that God spoke to Joshua. You remember how Joshua 1 begins? Joshua had an enormous task to do. Lead over a million people and many more animals into the land of Canaan, a strange land they've never been in. Into the world of enemies who were intent on killing them, all of them. And Joshua all of a sudden was tasked with this job of leading Israel into the land of milk and honey. A blessing. But it wasn't theirs yet. They had to go fight for it. And God tells this, these words to Joshua, just like he says to us. Oh, I got a little distracted, but this is a good rabbit trail, guys. If you haven't read Joshua 1, this is a word for you this morning. Turn your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and Moses was a powerful man, right? He was a powerful man. And in Israel, he was a renowned man. I mean, he spoke to God as a man to his friend, face to face with God. And when he came out of the tent, his face shone so bright they couldn't look at it. It was blinding to their eyes, so they had to put a veil over him. He was God's spokesman. And now Joshua's turn. God says to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I have spoken to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. That's a long distance, by the way. Have you looked geographically at the map where Israel is? And you know where the river Euphrates is? Iraq. Yes, all the way to Iraq. Yep, all the way to the Garden of Eden. That was God's promise. As far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Have you heard the Lord give you that promise? Is it for you or for someone else? Which one? It's for you and for all these people, right? 
That's still the promise of God to every one of us. The life, the promised life of eternal life in our hearts. Rivers of living water flowing from us are not just for us to pull up and dam up for ourselves. They're for others. But they flow through us. God has given you a responsibility for another soul. That's why He put you into the rock wall. And only the mortar of Jesus' love can hold you together with others. Not your own opinions. Are you going to say something, Tim? Fire away. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians tells us to do this, by the way. 1 Corinthians 14. Did you know that? Before I let him share, I want to share with you why I'm doing this. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says this. Verse 29. And let two or three prophets speak, and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, let the first keep silent. You go and share a little. took the command and told, told the people, which is, you know, represented the church out of Israel. And he, he told them, you know, the, the things God wanted. And then, and then answered Joshua saying, all that I have commanded us, we will do. So that was their response. And where you send us, we'll go. Just as we obey Moses and all things, so we will obey you. May the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Well, we know what happened to Israel. You know, they refused to follow the Lord. They got blessed and they turned against God. But so that's, that's, well, we're very blessed in America. I mean, there, there's people that suffer every day for Christ. And uh, so, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes why God would bless us so much. But I, I know it started way back when the Mayflower and Christians came here. But I know we turned our back on God. And, and, uh, but anyway, I just think it's important to realize, you know, that here they said, we're going to do what you say and we're going to follow God, but they didn't. I think it's a, a warning for us. Indeed it is. Thank you, Brother Tim. Now you, turn, you can turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you. He's begging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
showing forbearance to one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Do you recognize that in the person sitting next to you? Do you recognize that in every believer you meet? God is in them. God is over them. God is working through them. That will humble you and cause you to walk this way. Romans chapter 12. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That word holy is simply clean. A clean sacrifice. Clean from sin. Clean. A cleansed mind. A cleansed heart. A cleansed mind is a mind that is focused on Jesus. Undistracted mind. A cleansed heart is a purified heart. James says, purify your hearts. It's not a double-minded heart. A heart that goes this way, then that way. James 1 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He will not get any wisdom from God. None. He'll be full of his own wisdom. His own wits. That's all you got. Boy, that's a rough way to live. Have you tried to live like that? Just winging it. That's all you got. But you and I, when we cleanse our hearts, we purify it to present it unto God as a living sacrifice, and we call upon Him for wisdom, then we don't live by the wisdom of our own hearts. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, Proverbs says. You're a fool if you live by your own heart. No wonder the world is so full of broken love. Because you know what they tell you? You know what they say. Follow your heart. Trust your heart. Or in business to say, trust your gut. Just do what seems right. Really? Proverbs 16 says, every man is right in his own eyes. But the end of it is death. You want to die? Trust your heart. Trust your gut. Figure it out. Wing it. You'll be sure to die. Just like that person who's full of cancer, but is determined they're going to live. You won't live either. But if you cleanse your heart from your own righteousness and your mind, you set your affection on things above on Jesus, and your heart is no more divided. It is set on Christ. And you have one goal, to do His will. Ah. You'll be one of them. No matter which one, God chooses how you're going to look. But you'll be in the wall. You'll be beautiful in your place. And useful 
where God puts you. He's the master builder. You won't have it figured out. I mean, who in the world can figure Jason and Heidi out? Can you? Not me. I'm serious. I stood there yesterday officiating this, these two young people to come together and my heart was so full of emotion I could hardly talk. It's like I told Marvin Olga, that's a moment when you have to soldier through it and just do it for Jesus. Because my emotions were all over the place. But I know God was in it. And so I just say, yes, Lord. And do what He tells me to do. Do my duty. You know, bringing these two lives together because He's the one who brought them together. No matter what we think or how it looks, when God does something, He's full of awe. Awesome are His works. And when you and I try to control each other and God's work in each other, we miss the glory and the awesomeness of God's work in our hearts and in our lives because we control it. Whether it's the timing of it or whether you want to trust your own heart or whether you want to guide your own love life, I tell you, when you give it to the Lord Jesus Christ, your whole life, your every day, will be filled with the awesome works of God. And you will be in awe, <gasps> taking your breath away. Are you missing that in your Christian life? Is it dull and boring? You should try yielding your life to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, He that is filled with the Spirit, born of the Spirit, is like the wind. You don't know where it's coming and where it's going. All you can see is the trees blowing. Have you ever seen the wind? No, you haven't. Oh, you can feel it. And it's pretty awesome. Right? It's pretty awesome. Present your bodies a living and clean sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is a life of worship. You want to worship Jesus? Don't think you can isolate it into a little few 20, 30 minute experience once a week at a church service. That's not worship. That may be a part of it. That's not all worship. Where you fall on your face like John did when he seen Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. That's worship. When you see Jesus, that's when you worship Him. And if He stood in front of you and revealed Himself to you in His awesome ways, because He's awesome, you'll worship. You'll worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Jason posted this verse. As for God, His way is perfect. And He makes my way perfect. Psalm 18. Or through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Clear thinking. 
but to think so as to have sound judgment and as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And this is what you do with your faith. Look how it works itself out. Listen to this. For just as we have many members in one wall, many rocks, in one wall, many members in the body of Christ. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We are connected through the unity of what? Anton? Christ! Christ! By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. This is what love looks like. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Prophecy is simply this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, He that prophesies speaks to edify another, to build them up, to encourage them, and to console them, comfort them. You want to prophesy? You want to be a prophet in the church? Let all your words be seasoned with salt so that they may minister grace to the hearers. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but that it may edify, build up someone else. Make them strong in the inside. Make them strong. Like God's words to Joshua. Be strong of good courage. Have you said that lately to someone? If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches, in his teaching, he who exhorts, in his exhortation, exhorts is what a coach does, that's what exhortation is, come on, you can do it, come on, you can do it man, you can do it, you say that to your children, to your wife, to your husband, to your neighbor, you can do it, the Lord will help you, have you asked the Lord for help, let's pray together, let's ask Jesus for help, for grace, Oh, would to God the church were full of exhorters. The church would be pretty strong. Our homes would be strong. Our marriages would be strong. Our children would have strength in their inner man. Our neighborhoods would be strong. Our community, our cities, strong in faith and in grace. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his exhortation, he who exhorts in his exhortation, let he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. When have you last showed mercy? Cheerfully. Have you ever seen anyone do that? Have you done it lately? I don't know about you, but that's not natural for me. Well, okay, I'll have mercy this, this one last time, and this is it. Is that how you show mercy? Okay, dude, not again. I'll let you get away with this one. Someone steals from you. All right, that's enough. We're locking it up. I'm going to set a guard. 
Someone slaps you on the cheek, says a word against you. Okay, I'll let this one slide. Don't do it again. Isn't that our natural mercy? But have you seen someone put a smile on their face and show mercy cheerfully like it's an opportunity? Yes, I get to show mercy. God's so merciful to me. God has given me the opportunity to show it to you. What if every Christian would show mercy cheerfully? Yes. A bunch of cheerfulness would happen, I think. An environment of cheerful people. Instead of, all right, I guess I'll give it to you this time. Don't do it again. Hmm. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You're my brother. You're my sister. If you're a child of God, you're my family. That devoted love to each other creates the unity, keeps me in the wall of God's tapestry. Not lagging behind giving, I'm sorry, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. You ever rejoice in something you're only hoping for? Most times we wait to rejoice into something when we get it. But have you tried rejoicing in something you're hoping for? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's Jesus-like. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted in prayer. Always praying under your breath. Devoted in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Well, there you have it. The life of sacrifice. The life in the wall. Your own uniqueness. If you think you're this little guy down here hidden, I bet none of you have seen this one yet. He's not near as outstanding as this guy. But he plays a part. There's no other rock that would fit there. Right. This guy wouldn't fit there. He's too big. So whoever the mason was, the grand architect of this one, he seemed fit to put that ugly one right there. I mean, he doesn't look normal. Look, he's got holes in his head. And this little one, right there. But it's the only one that fits. And when Jesus is building his church, his family, he takes that little child to lead a whole church in a song, 10,000 Reasons, just in case you get too professional, too heady, and think, Everybody's got to be a big rock on the wall or the outstanding one. No, the little one is just as necessary. You have been uniquely crafted by Jesus, saved for this purpose, to do this in his church, to be this in his body. Oh dear child of God, and if you're not born again, I hope the Holy Spirit has convinced you through the power of His Word to stop walking on your hands.
and standing on your head and seeing the world upside down. And I hope today is the day when the devil's purpose for your life to isolate you and make you either full of yourself or empty of yourself and cause you to be convinced you're worth nothing or cause you to convince you're worth gold, I hope that purpose will be defeated and you'll be delivered from his purpose for your life. And you'll yield your life to Jesus Christ. Let him make you at that purpose for which you were created. Set you on your feet. Make you useful. Not just to yourself, but a tree planted by rivers of living water, yielding its fruit, where men, people can come and pluck off the apple off your tree. How do you think that feels to that tree? Hey, that was my fruit. You're plucking my fruit. Was the fruit for you or for another? Huh? Don't ever forget that. When you become the fruitful tree, your fruit is not just for beauty to make yourself look beautiful. Your fruit is to feed someone else. So when others come to you to feed off that fruit that Jesus has given to you, smile and give with cheerfulness and realize I'm being useful for God. I get to show mercy today to someone who needed mercy. Oh, Father, I pray that you would encourage us today, Lord. Cause us to be in all of your wondrous works, your awesome salvation, your power in our life. Deliver us from being professionals. And, oh, Lord, I pray, fill every heart today with your power, the power of your Holy Spirit, so that you can live your life through every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Phil, for that. Because uh, while you were sharing that, one thing that came to me is I've uh, heard over the years is it's not about our capability. It's about our availability. And, you know, so many times we we try to tell ourselves, I'm not capable. It's out the case for me. <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, it's not about our capability, but when we can allow God to use us, we become available to to be the blessing to others. So, <clears throat> anyway, um, I think be, before I guess anybody had something like to share or something maybe, or if not, um, maybe Christopher. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Um, <clears throat> taking more than I should, I don't know, but I'd like to share a little bit about my stepson, or, or my foster son. He wasn't legally, came into my family, he just had a bad home, and he, he uh, ended up being my stepson, that's a long story, but uh, uh, where he came from, and, and part of what, and I say this so that you would pray for him, his name's Zach, uh, he ended up in prison, 
And uh, he, I think he had seven years, and he's young. Um, but I, I raised him. He came into my life um, when he was about 13 and until about 20, and that's when he got in a lot of trouble. Uh, he made a lot of bad choices, but late, lately, recently I sold a truck to him, and he, he lives in Pueblo, and he's doing really well. Um, he, he never was around for his kids, kind of like I wasn't around for mine, my son, through divorce uh, and being a workaholic. Uh, you know, and, and, and the sad part is I was a Christian through most of that. Um, but uh, so I, I more or less got to raise two stepdaughters and Zach married one of my stepdaughters, the oldest one, and he had two kids, Zachary and Dylan. Uh, Dylan's about, uh, I think, 21 or so, and Zachary's about 14 or 15. Well, I, I just know that God, when he gets a hold of us, he just takes our lives and makes it, uh, whatever mess we did, and fixes it, and bring brings good out of it. Um, and I can see that, uh, see that lately in Zach. Um, like I said, uh, he he, uh, and the uh, reason I want you to pray for him is I'd like to see him come to Christ. Uh, but he's he's gotten to a relationship. His older son Dylan grew up. You know, pretty much without him, because he was in prison. But Zachary, he was able to, and I just think this is an amazing testimony of what God can do. Um, So he's gotten to raise Zachary uh, since he was about 13, and he has him now. Um, But, and and the funny thing about Zach is... uh, he, I never realized this guy was rough. He was he was hard to deal with, and, and uh, wild and a scary guy too. Uh, but right, he gave me a hug the other day. He came up to get this truck that I sold him, and he, he start he the Lord is blesses our kids through prayer and 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 because he. He loves us so much, you know. He wants he wants to give. God's always giving. Um, so I see Zach now, and I just think, uh, well, he he acts kind of like me. <laughs> uh, and uh, he uh, he we talk, and he tells me, like I didn't realize he's so smart, you know. Uh, and uh, but. Uh, and 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 out of all my kids, my own son and my stepchildren, and Zach, and there was another foster boy that came along. But um, um, I, I just told Zach today. I said, "Well, you're kind of the best one right now," <laughs> you know, and just just in awe of what God's doing in his life. And his attitude toward things, and after all that he's been through, um, but uh, 
So I just wanted to share that. Um, you know, um, no, no real. Um, I don't know. No, no, no real um, in-depth thing. Just a little thought. You know, to throw it out there for Zach, because uh, uh, I believe God's going to get a hold of him shortly. Phil, maybe we're going to pray for Zach here. Let's pray. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we pray that your grace would be strong in Zach's life. Lord, at this very moment, you know where he is. You know the, the prayers that Tim and Deb have prayed for him, Lord. And, and Father, we just we unite ourselves, Lord, in that care and in praying for them. Especially for Zach, would you save him, Lord? Would you speak to his heart your living word? Oh, Father, I pray that you would come in mercy and grace and show him Jesus Christ. That he died for his sins and he rose again on the third day so that he, and he ascended on high so he could make inter- intercession for him and forgive all of his sins and cleanse him from all unrighteousness. And, and he could be born of the Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit and you could change his life radically. Would you do that today, I pray? In your mercy, speak into his heart. And give Tim wisdom and your words of life. Let rivers flow out of his innermost being to share your life with him in Jesus' name. All right, why don't we all stand? And uh, Christopher, could I ask you to ask the, uh, the benediction and the blessing on the meal? So, let's all stand. Father, we stand and give you thanks as one for all we heard today. For me, it was like the word becoming flesh, standing and ministering to us. Um, We just want to honor you in that way. And uh, may um, all that become real more and more in us and right here in our midst, because this is where we are. May your love flow in the the midst of the members right here and then beyond um, out into the May people be drawn to us, to drawn to you through us, O oh God. Your mercy being shown, your goodness, your kindness. May we just, may it become more and more natural just for you to live through us, less of us and more of you. Please bless the um, meal. We give you thanks for what's to come. Amen.